I've turned down job offers because I realized that's actually going to be a huge job full of administrative burden. And, and to be honest with you, the compensation wasn't worth it. I'd rather just work in the areas where I can be creative and I can do the work that I love and give me, gives me joy. That's my guiding compass. Am I getting joy from my work? Yeah. More, more so than, than anything else. Welcome. I'm your host, Rohin Bajram. I'm on a mission to redefine the faces of leadership through speaking consulting, and writing. Unspeakable Leadership is a space to reclaim our stories and empower each other to see the value in how we, as women of color, lead. I hope you'll join me on this journey of unpacking experiences, lessons learned, sharing laughs, and likely a tear or two. Let us grow together in conversation. It gives me great pleasure to be in conversation with another incredible leader and woman of color that I have had the pleasure to get to know, Ariana Aguelo. Ariana is a sustainability professional working in the energy sector in Vancouver, British Columbia. She is focused on advancing energy conservation in the community and developing sustainability leadership with the goal of scaling and accelerating transformational change efforts for a more sustainable future. For all. The areas of focus that she applies to her work include systemic thinking, cultivating a sustainability and innovation mindset, building high-performing teams, and cultivating communities of practice. She is originally from Latin America and has lived in Nicaragua, Chile, Ecuador, the United States, and Canada. The sustainability development goals are her passion, serving as her North Star in her career trajectory. She has an MBA, a degree in economics, and certificates in social innovation and project management. When she isn't developing communities of practice through the Praxis Institute Transformational Leadership Program, serving on boards, or providing an advisory sense of capacity for grants, you can find Ariana enjoying hobby farming, connecting with friends and family, and enjoying the great outdoors. Ariana, thank you so much for joining me on Unspeakable Leadership. There is no way to segue from that incredible and impressive bio other than to say, can you tell us a little bit more about how did you get here and how has your leadership journey been? Oh, thank you. Well, I have to say nobody ever does it alone. And I I start with that because I think it's so important in our leadership to be aware and conscientious of the people who support us and elevate us in every step of the way. And I have to say that my leadership journey is really centered on focusing on supporting people and elevating everyone else as well. So I think that's a key piece. Uh, For me and my trajectory, there's been many people who've helped me, starting from my family of origin. My parents were always very supportive and always, as a woman as well, just being really clear on ensuring that I could stand on my own two feet and ensuring that I went beyond what I thought my limits were growing up. So I always had that very kind of supportive home environment that really led me to just step forward with confidence, even if I knew I didn't know a lot. When you're starting off, and particularly as an immigrant, when you've lived in many countries, you have the benefit of having seen many worlds, but at the same time, not really being a part of any of them. So in some ways, it's a little bit of a disadvantage because you're not really fully part of the world that you're in. But my journey has been always to step forward with a mindset of other. 
And in particular, I think that one of the most influential pieces, actually, not only my family of origin, but my country of origin, coming from Nicaragua, which is a country with a very turbulent history, and having had the opportunity to live there in my adult life, or better said, spend extensive periods there, I just became very aware of a broad range of realities that exist in the world. And I think that that's what's fueled me in my leadership journey, understanding that each of us has to make a difference. And really, I think everything I've done from my studies to my work has been with the pursuit of impact, uh, you know, to make the world a better place, in pursuit of a sustainable development perspective in everything we do. Mm-hmm. What I, I really appreciate, Ariana, that you shared is the interweaving of our own realities, particularly when we were perhaps younger and that played a, a role in being able to create our own reality is a reality that we then take into our careers as far as being able to make an impact. And I'm just curious, did you ever know that you would fall into sustainability development or how did that come to be? Like many things, we stumble into them. But really, if I mm-hmm. think about it, back to my university days, I was always looking for a sustainable development angle or like meaning or understanding of, of everything I was doing, which is in some ways actually... The reason why I chose the degrees I studied, I studied economics as a way of kind of one one lens that made sense to me anyways in understanding how things can perhaps be better or why they are the way they are. And in pursuit of my master's degree in business, I was really looking for practical tools because I really feel like it translates to practical tools, to relationships, to how we do the work. And with that in mind, when I think about it, I wasn't really looking for a sustainability job. Also, sustainability is something that's on the radar today. When I was in school, yes, there was a sustainability development class, but you really start to see sustainability jobs today, not really 15 years ago when I started in the labor force. I really got into it because I would just kind of always, in my pursuit of trying to embed the sustainable development goals in the work that I do, whether it was during the time that I spent in academia in the first part of my career, or now working in the energy sector, that's what opened the door. I made a friend who was working in sustainability and I was trying to influence her, get her to learn about the SDGs. And through that, when an opportunity became available, I ended up working in that capacity. I really appreciate how you've articulated that the roles and the positions that are available today weren't ones that were even on our radar when we were pursuing our own studies and higher education. And what really excites me is the the possibilities of what roles and what positions could be available, let's say, in the next decade for the next racialized woman and the next woman of color who is imagining how to interweave a reality based on an area of impact and a theme that keeps emerging on and on and on, Mm -hmm. as you've highlighted in terms of sustainability as part of your um, journey. Absolutely. Yeah. The other really important point that I that you raised was the opportunity that you had with elevation. You, you really spoke to how people have elevated you. And I'm curious, who has that person or persons been in your life? And can you tell me a little bit more? What are they like? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I have various examples. All along, I think of my whole entire trajectory, I've always had somebody there shining the way either through formal mentorship or through just a friendship. I had a boss after 
finishing my graduate studies and I started really working full time. Like this is it. It was just wonderful. And her and I worked together for nine years and she really developed me. And I was like her right hand in so many things or I had a very privileged opportunity to sit in conversations when she was talking to executives or developing organizational wide initiatives and brought me into it and actually put me at the forefront and made me lead groups and facilitate and speak to crowds of 140 people. She was near retirement and we just really clicked and I think she saw the value in working with her younger employee and she saw that passion in me and the fact that I'm simply somebody who always tries to kind of push for more, uh, push for more, not necessarily in the ways we've traditionally thought at work, but push for better outcomes with that notion of impact and with that notion of um, developing and having the kind of um, impact in the world that really does ultimately advance sustainable development. Mm-hmm. And that's just one that's, example. Oh. I could give many mm-hmm. more, but I think that's the most meaningful one because it was like a very long-standing relationship. And she retired in 2013, and to this day we're friends and we see each other uh, on a regular basis. That's amazing. And and you're right, relationships that are so long-lasting are, are ones that you want to nurture even beyond time spent. And certainly I resonate with that. I, I also had a mentor who I was very fortunate throughout my career who would often step in and connect with me. And sometimes it was just through informal lunches where we would catch up and there would be moments in that conversation where they would catch some of the the limiting beliefs and some of the things that I would think were not possible for me, particularly just given some of the experiences. And I am curious, often when we look at some of the research and we hear of experiences of racialized women in different organizations and companies, one experience that comes to the surface is how there aren't many individuals who mentor or elevate or open the doors as you just described. And so I'm wondering, how have you approached that in your leadership journey for others as you build not only yourself, but you build others as well? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. I think in opportunities where I've been able to either be the decision maker or influence hiring, that's been one place where I've been really conscientious about ensuring that we have a broad lens when really thinking about the kind of person that we need for, for the role. And in many cases, it has been ensuring that we have diverse perspectives on the team. And so that's one way, by giving people tangible opportunities. Perhaps in a more subtle way, when I've managed teams, or even when I just have a colleague, I take time to really get to know somebody. And it might just be a few conversations, but to know a few things about them so that they feel seen and they feel heard. And that in itself, Mm -hmm. I have to say, so many people feel invisible, like just not even on the radar. I feel that that's been one simple thing that all of us can do is really to take the time to know people, but to take it a step further. And I'd say that get to know them, but to see them, to see what their shining light is, like we all have it Mm -hmm. and help them focus in an area that what their passions are, like maybe they've haven't articulated it yet simply because I don't know, life pulls you in many directions or you don't know, it can be intimidating to say, oh, what is my life's purpose or what is it that I'm passionate about? <laughs> so ask yeah. people and, and maybe even sometimes, sometimes people see things in you that you don't. And so I'm, I share that with folks. I, I want people to feel good about themselves, to see themselves as being instrumental to the, to the greater good. 
because all of us have that. So seeing them, caring enough for them and helping them focus a bit wherever I can influence. I think that, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, Rohin, that um, has just been paid dividends in incredible ways in the way that it mm-hmm. motivates and activates people. Uh, seeing them, caring for them and helping them focus has been hugely impactful. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that to be in that space and to be in that environment does increase so much visibility and, and so much opportunity. And I am curious, Ariana, do, do you think that every organization has that type of environment for racialized women? And I, I ask this because that's who our listeners are. Mm-hmm. They're women of color. And we imagine that some of them are early on in their career and some are perhaps in their first leadership role and yeah, just want to hear your thoughts. Are those environments set up in that caring way? I think the obvious answers is probably not in some for sure. And then others are working towards it. But one of the things that I really think about and that I share with my colleagues when we talk about things like this, or even just like, how do you become innovative as an organization? And that is mm-hmm. that we have our espoused values that we, that we say we want to do. And that might be that as an organization, you've developed a DEI strategy and you want to be able to bring in your BIPOC folks and elevate them or give greater opportunity or serve your community in a more holistic way. Mm-hmm. But what I'll say is, is that there's a learning curve in anything we do. Mm-hmm. And so even though organizations might already have a statement and a strategy, that's a starting place. But recognizing that there's a learning process. Sometimes we forget about that. We can be overly critical or we forget to reflect on our learnings and understand that it's a learning process, that we make mistakes, that it's important to include people in that journey. Um, It's not just about a strategy. It's about the people factor. And that means human interaction. In terms of women who are in the workforce starting, I, I, I think a big piece in a way to step forward is with confidence with knowing that, okay, you might be in this context that perhaps is very foreign to where you're from, or perhaps hasn't been receptive and open to who you are, but valuing who you are, valuing the perspective and the community that you represent and the potential impact that you can bring forward for yourself and for your people. It's Mm -hmm. huge to be able to see somebody who's a person of color, a woman of color in a position Mm -hmm. of power, or in a position of influence, regardless of where that is in the kind of hierarchy, um, that's yeah. huge for other mm-hmm. people in of that same demographic to see yourself reflected in there. We need to play that role of being a little bit visible, of taking that little extra time to encourage others to come along. Yeah, absolutely. When you just talked about stepping into that visibility and stepping into confidence and power these are all steps that resonate with my journey and I imagine with yours as well, given that you shared that with us. And at the same time, I've also known that that has created a really difficult responsibility of being one of the few. And so it sometimes feels like when you are one of the few, you're also bearing the responsibility of representing multiple communities, multiple races, and multiple lived realities. And I'd love to hear, how do you manage that? Is that your experience too? 
to be quite honest, not quite. Or maybe, okay. or maybe it's not really a burden on me. Maybe I feel right. okay just, you know, speaking. But I feel like I can only speak from my perspective and my lived experience. Yeah. Being straight up and forward with that. And, and I can understand. Yeah how that happens like being a little bit kind of easygoing with it as well but just being really clear this is just my perspective you know and I'm definitely not representing all Latin American women or all Latin American Mm -hmm. women from Nicaragua we are such complex beings and there's so many Mm -hmm. different aspects that make up who we are and I think that we got to remember that you can't really generalize but I'm always appreciative of anybody that's curious that leans forward with curiosity even if they didn't get it quite right even if they made some mm-hmm. assumptions. But if there's that heart connection or that willingness to step into a space where you're trying to just, you know, be more aware of the realities of others, I think that that's really important. And that's what I sit with. Yeah. And I appreciate that. It sounds like your experience and your perspective is absolutely informed by your own identity. And I love that you are upfront with, I am not going to represent all Mm-hmm. women from Latin America. And I think that that is such an important stance that many of us can reflect on taking, even if that perception is imposed on us and being in a position to be able to create that boundary. I know you're busy. If you could spare a minute or two, please leave a review. I'm wondering, why do you think it's important for us to have these types of conversations about uplifting each other and elevating does anything come to mind for you well you're not alone we're all in this Mm -hmm. together this is like you know something that we have to support each other I started off saying I I never did any of this alone right and so I think it's the same for the same reason nobody can do it alone and so Mm -hmm. it's important to talk about it it's important to support each other it's important to be an example or it's important to have somebody that can help inspire you when I said step forward with confidence well how do you do that like where do you get the confidence right my personality is one where um generally speaking I'm kind of that way and then I attribute it to my family of origin to my parents but oftentimes I don't feel confident in a particular situation Mm -hmm. and so maybe a little tip I'll I'll share is channel someone else if I'm in a moment where I don't quite know how to do it I might be channeling Rohin and that has actually worked really well for me so it's important that we talk about it that we support each other because you might be that person that somebody else in this critical moment is channeling and getting inspiration from and it's like how would Rohin do it how would Ariana do it and we only do that by sharing our stories with one another yeah I totally sometimes just channel Oprah every single time. I'm like, what would Oprah do in this situation? And so I, I kind of giggled when you said, yes, channel, because yeah. I have absolutely done that. And there are moments where I'm so grateful that I've channeled Oprah and not channeled perhaps the what, what would have come out of my mouth on, on behalf <laughs> of myself. So <laughs> I love that. I love that tip. I cannot believe it's coming close to our time together. And I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for giving us a different perspective. I think every time that I'm in conversation with each guest, I learn something new. I reflect on something different. And I think that this is what makes this conversation so wholesome and so necessary is to really show that the the breadth and the depth of which the leadership that women of color bring is so diverse and so important for us to be able to value. And so before we leave, I'll invite you to reflect on 
what would be one key message you would want anyone who's listening who's early on in their career to remember about themselves? We all have a contribution to make, and your perspective is really important for the state of the world. Our voices need to be heard. The future can't be crafted just by the dominant demographic that has had power. We have to step up. We have to be visible. We have to share our view so that we're able to move forward in a way that's really just for all and brings people along. That's really critical at this time. One thing that's important to think about when we're talking about leadership is that we don't always have to have this notion of leadership as a climbing up the ladder, this hierarchical view. And first and foremost, that's one particular way of seeing the world. There's various Mm -hmm. other ways where we think about power and leadership. But in my own career, I've always just pursued the opportunity to do projects of impact, passion projects. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've had a very satisfying and rewarding career as a result. And I haven't had that focus on necessarily climbing up the corporate ladder uh, per Mm -hmm. se. So I think it's important for people to think about leadership as an opportunity for doing work that matters to them and that matters to community or matters to the world and not necessarily always be tied up in whether you have a director or an executive VP title. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Of course there isn't, but it's just really that there's so many different ways in which we can express our leadership. I'm so glad that you really articulated that in part because I think the system sometimes creates the definition of leadership according to climbing up the ladder and that hierarchy and the prestige and the recognition. And let's also face it, the compensation and the salary that comes along with it, which is important in these times. (laughs) And at the same time, it doesn't always mean that you're going to be happier. It doesn't always mean that you're going to be fulfilled. And it doesn't always mean that you're going to have that same level of freedom or impact. And so I really appreciate you highlighting that Mm -hmm. it's not about the titles. It's not about the the rungs and the ladder. It's it's really about finding the spaces that are aligned with what you want to do. Absolutely. I've turned down job offers because I realized that's actually going to be a huge job full of administrative burden. And, and to be honest, with you, the compensation wasn't worth it. I'd rather just work in the areas where I can be creative and I can do the work that I love and give me, gives me joy. That's my guiding compass. Am I getting joy from my work? Yeah. More, more so than, than anything else. You know what I find fascinating? And I'm curious if this if this is your experience as well. The first time that I turned down a job, I felt so guilty. I almost went through this thing of overthinking the decision. And then the next time I turned down a job, that got easier. And then the cycle continued. And I recently reflected on how many times... I needed to go through that to understand I was making a decision that honored my worth. How much of my worth had been encapsulated based on who saw it versus how I defined it. And so I love that you have highlighted that because there might be others who are listening who have never, ever thought that they could turn down a job opportunity, let alone a job offer, and to know that it's possible. Absolutely. Yeah. I love your point around who saw it. You know, that was (laughs) who saw it, right? And I got to tell you, we all have our moments where we reflect on our career and we think, oh, did I do the right move? Am I in the place where I should be? We all have self doubt as well. 
And those moments where I just say, you know what, the work I've done matters. It's impacted people's <laughs> lives in either a small or a significant way. But that's what gives me comfort when I get to that space where I value myself and I value my own experiences and don't expect somebody else to do it. Because mm-hmm. they don't see the world the way I do. I, I see myself on a journey, right? Mm-hmm. And that is expressed through my career, not solely through my career, but in the context of my career. And I see the value and what I've been able to do. And that may not translate for somebody else. And so why should I use their criteria to judge my worth as a professional? <laughs> I have Sydney, a smiley going, I wish I could snap, but I feel like that might be too loud in somebody's ear. So I'm not going to do that. But thank you for saying that, Ariana, because you're right. We should never be using other criteria and other evaluation metrics of success yeah. other than defining our own. Especially when you're trying to do transformational work, where you're trying to set things into a new direction from an old mindset. So as transformational change agents, you have to recognize that perhaps the work that you do, the status quo isn't necessarily going to value it because you're trying to change the way things are done. (laughs) So that's also an important recognition I've had. It's like, okay, this is my own journey. And Mm -hmm. for for that reason as well. Amazing. Thank you. I think there's so much that we can unpack and it's my hope that you'll come back again and revisit the journey that this podcast is also on and perhaps even celebrate some of the moments that we unleash and and let go some of the pieces that we know are just uh, not serving us and maybe pick up the things that do. So thank you so much, Ariana. I appreciate you so much and thank you for being on Unspeakable Leadership. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'd love to to join another time. Take care, Raheem. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. You too. There are many archetypes who can cross our path. And there are two who sometimes illuminate our leadership path. The person who shows you how to be the leader you want to be. And the person who serves as a cautionary tale. Navigating this duality involves really trying to shift energies, heightening engagement, and sometimes staying in a state of hypervigilance. It also requires a deepened understanding of that other person's perspectives and what makes them who they are. Working across difference requires building bridges. Something that you heard about today and also a pursuit that isn't always feasible or easy to do. Unless, that is, both parties are willingly able to shed their armor, embrace vulnerability, wield influence judiciously, shoulder responsibility, and fervently commit to mutual growth. That, for me, is the true essence of sponsorship and uplifting each other. The systemic barriers do exist for women of color, and they are undeniably embedded in advancement, merit, and performance. All of these are interconnected, yet distinct in their own way. As we consider how to elevate each other through sponsorship or incremental strides, I'd like to offer a story. Your success is my success was often a statement declared by a former supervisor. 
Grateful at first for this declaration, I came to understand the statement differently through experiences of working with them. You see, my success hinged on their daily sense of security and only if the work I produced could also recognize their input. My success was trapped in navigating a labyrinth of permissions and intricate approval processes. You wouldn't believe the amount of multiple follow-ups I would have to take more time crafting than to actually get the answer. As leaders on our own journeys, we are exposed to leadership styles that have either modeled what to do and what not to do. And this was a leadership style of what not to do. You likely have a story too. Beneath the veneer of your success is my success lies a well-intentioned trope that I've now refined to, I am here to personally and professionally champion your success, followed by a substantiated dialogue on actionable steps that allow myself and the other person to manifest this commitment together. And if you're on the receiving end, reframe this request as, I aspire to thrive in this organization, and I'm eager to discuss how we can collaborate towards collective success together. By collectively crafting more empowering reframes, employing meaningful language, and offering tangible support, we lay the foundations for an internal and cross-functional sponsorship network. It's really through these deliberate steps that we shape a much more powerful and resonant narrative of leadership and success for all women of color. There is an African proverb that says, knowledge without wisdom is like water in the sand. Who do you need to share some of the wisdom you've gained to uplift them in their leadership journey? Always remember, the world needs more of you being just you. As always, take care of yourself and see you soon.